Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And uh, today, uh, Chip's not here. Chip is, uh, he is in Philly uh, with Todd Glass at Helium all weekend. I don't know why I'm plugging it, because this is going to come out after his weekend's over. Um, but tonight, we are talking De La Soul. And uh, I've got I've got a trio of guests uh, with me tonight. Reef the Lost Cause, returning uh, rapper. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um, I have my buddy Darren Patterson, stand-up comedian and host of the SNL Nerds podcast. Which, if you love Saturday Night Live, this is a great podcast. I've been on it several times. And uh, also, uh, from Philly, I've got writer and DJ John Morrison. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this is a bittersweet episode, I know, uh, for everybody. Brief, the last time you were on, like a month ago, we said we're going to tape at the end of February to celebrate De La Soul's music finally coming out on digital platforms. And and it was supposed to be a celebration of their music and career. And uh, I'm sure, as everyone knows, uh, Dave Plug Two passed away. And uh, I guess we're we're now turning it into a celebration slash tribute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll just start off by saying, um, you know. It's extremely bittersweet what happened as far as you know them getting their um, <clears throat> their music on streaming platforms available for the world, um, and him to not live to see it. Um, and fuck Tommy Boy Records forever, and that's all I got to say to start. <laughs> nice, yeah, it's good. I, I, I wrote a piece uh, on Dave uh, that's up now on uh, OKPlayer.com. And I think this made it into the piece. You know, they'd they be like cutting shit out of my shit. But um, it, it's it's a cruel irony. You know what I'm saying? For them to fight so long, Tommy Boy cooking the books or doing whatever the fuck they were doing uh, to to block this music uh, or, or, you know, to, to uh, you know, the, there was a, a, a public debate about uh, how much, you know, how much they would get off of the stream and stuff, you know, once the catalog finally made it to uh, the DSPs uh, and for them to fight through all of that stuff. And, and you know, uh, you know, the the sample clearance stuff and, and, you know, all of this and for them to finally cross over, you know, the the proverbial finish line. And we're, we're, you know, excited to see this music uh, finally make it to, to streaming. And then for him to pass, it's just like, it's like life ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? Like for that to, you know, to, for for them to to struggle so much to retain control of their music and and a wide distribution, and then for him to pass, it's just like, you know, it's yeah. I'm I'm still, I'm still not. Uh, I don't want to say over it, but uh, uh, it's yeah. it's still. It, I'm like sick to mm-hmm. to think of that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I swear the first. I texted Josh like almost immediately after I heard it, like, yo, does John know? Is John okay? Because I know how much they, how much they meant to you. I mean, I love Dayla, but I know you like 
how much you and I, your piece was just incredible, man. Excellent, excellent writing as always, bro. For real. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, grew, fucking like all of us grew up on De La. You know, my older brother brought home Three Feet High and Rising. And, you know, I was a little kid, but it was like, yo, what the fuck is this? You know? Yeah, it's funny you say that I, I got them from my older brother, too. But I I guess we missed Three Feet High and Rising. So I was uh, I was 15 and my, my older brother came home with a copy of De La Soul is Dead. And um, I remember just getting high and putting that on for the first time <laughs> and immediately being like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. I, I'd never heard. It was, it was so funny and so dark and it was like cynical, but it was also hopeful. Like it was just, it was everything in one album. And I'd never heard anything like that. Um, They was making movies on those records, man. Like, uh, three feet high and rising with the game show theme. De La Soul is dead with, uh, you know, the, the school like playground theme. Uh, Balloon Mind State was more like introspective and insular. Stakes as high was more reflecting outward on like the state of hip hop at the time. They they gave us like films and, and mm-hmm. themes with every album. You know, who was really doing that? You know what I'm saying? Was there, were they the first to, to like kind of tie it all together like that? I'm, I, I'm trying I think, to think. I think so. I mean, I yeah. can't say for sure, but I think so. I mean, yeah, they, they were the uh, they were the first act I ever heard with that were putting skits in their records, and um, that shit was. I mean, you know, after twenty years of skits, you're like, okay, well, I don't. I think I'm good with the skits. But the first time you heard it, uh, and but and they had funny skits though. It, it felt like John. You wrote in your piece that there was just one phrase that stuck out where where you wrote they were our group and like you yeah. capitalized our and and that's that's what it felt like to me. The the first time I heard that album, I remember being like, oh, this is my new group. Yeah, it's. There was, uh, you know, when Daylight came out, uh, there was so much uh, diversity in rap music already. You know what I mean? I, I always say to folks like two or three years in 80s rap is like five or 10 years in other eras of music. You know what I mean? Shit was changing so fast and it was so broad and diverse. And then Daylight came out at the tail end of that decade. All this other shit had happened. Eric B and Rakim, you know, Slick Rick, all of this stuff had happened in the 80s. Daylight comes in 89 and adds even more color and variety to this shit. You know what I'm saying? Rhyming wise, what producers were doing, the the broader uh uh conceptual approach that you could make or uh, to to create in a rap record it was it was like they they looked at all of their peers all of these folks uh you know who had who had come you know right before them and said okay we got some more shit for y'all to deal with you know what i'm saying we got we got more variety and creativity that we could throw in the pot it's i, I marvel at those records uh you know mm just listening to that shit back and trying to listen with my, my ear and mind now and think about how 
it sounded to me then as a kid and as a young person, I marvel at the stuff that they were doing. And then, you know, the producer and me listens for like the technical shit that they were doing with the samples too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was just, it's, it, there's a reason why when those records came out, you know, uh, the Source magazine gave Three Feet High and Rising and De La Soul's Dead five mics out, out the gate. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why when those records came out, the community looked and said, oh, this is like some next level shit. Yeah. Darren, what was what was your first exposure to them? Uh, I actually, I kind of did it backwards. Like the first album I heard by them was, I believe it was Balloon Mind State. Like, uh, you know, back then I was like really in the, now I am, I'm still in the hip hop, but like, uh, I think I saw with the Break of Dawn video, it was either on like Rap City or Yom TV Raps. It's like, those are like the two shows I watch religiously. And like, I remember it just being like a different vibe than what everybody else was doing. I was like, oh wow, who are these guys? And like, I think I knew they were cool with a tribe called Quest, who is, you know, my other favorite right. group of all times. Uh, like, I think two of those, both of those groups are like my two favorite of all times. Cause you know, I grew up in Queens, New York, and I think like tribe grew up like the town over from where I grew up and they left from Long Island and that's pretty close to Queens. So I, I always kind of felt that kinship with them. Mm-hmm. So then once I heard the break of dawn video, like, you know, the, the Michael Jackson sample and everything, I was like, oh, wow, who are these guys? They they kind of vibe more to what, like, I'm about. Because, like, I mean, like, growing up, you know, I grew up in the 80s. Hip-hop definitely had that kind of, I don't want to say hardcore, but it definitely had, like, a machismo or a machismo about it that I, I couldn't really relate to because, like, you know, I was, like, a dorky kid. And, like, uh, you know, I, I wasn't good at sports, and I, I don't know anything about big dookie gold chains and wasn't, you know, just did not talk to girls. So like for a while, like hip hop just kind of felt like something that was like too cool for me. You know, yeah, I grew up in an area like, you know, like Eric B and Rakim and Public Enemy and NWA and whatever. I always felt like, oh, that doesn't, that seems like that's not for me. That's, that's too cool for me. But then I like, I, then I started getting into other groups like, um, what was it? Like that's the first album I bought was, um, what was it? Uh, Fresh Prince, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I was like, oh yeah, these are kind of these guys are kind of more my vibe. And then I listened to Heavy D, but then I listened to De La and Tribe, and I was like, oh no, these are these are definitely more what I'm about. Just because I don't know, I just really there's something about them. They had like a like a like a soulfulness about them, about all their albums. And like so after Balloon Mind State, I went back and listened to their first two albums. And then it was like, it just really blew my mind. Like the way they were kind of using nursery rhymes and sampling that and, you know, like three is the magic number. And it's, they were just using all these different samples I'd never really even heard before. And they were, they were dressed like no one else was dressing. And they were just kind of, the way they were speaking and the words they were using were just kind of, they were using words no one was really using. They're like, everything about them just was not like, like anything else anybody was doing at the time. And some people saw that as being like, you know, weirdos or, you know, or even gimmicky or avant-garde. Like that's a whole thing where people thought the whole, uh, you know, hip hop hippies thing was like a gimmick or something. Right. But like, I, I it really, I don't know, everything about them like really drew me in more and more. And like, the more I think about it, the more I realize like, like that type of hip hop is what kind of sh- it shaped me and made me kind of, 
come at hip hop more with a critical ear. Like not, if I listen to hip hop now, I'm like, oh, this is like a hip hop. If I listen to hip hop group that a lot of people like, like I'll listen to it, and be like, eh, this isn't that great. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they kind of inform the way I listen to hip hop now. You, you know, it's interesting too. Like, like you were saying that uh, they got kind of clowned on for for the the flowers and the paisley yeah. and the clothes, but they were they were being authentic. Like they were being more authentic to themselves than some of the acts that everybody thought of as like, oh, those guys, you know, that they're keeping it real. Like that's the real deal. Yeah. It's like, no, like from my from my understanding, they wasn't no suckers either. Like, you know what I mean? Like a couple of nope. people tried them when, during that time and they had to they had to get a little, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well they there there's a there's a great documentary uh called De La Soul is not dead on YouTube. And uh Maceo addresses that. He's like, you know, we had this hippie image, plus we were kids from Long Island, so everybody thought that they could just sort of step on us and try us. But Maceo was in the military. He was like, he knew how to box. And um, Prince Paul, their producer, told a funny story. He'd be like, yeah, I used to... I used to get phone calls from people on the road like, yo, De La Soul just kicked the shit out of this guy or they just. <laughs> you get, they, there's a, a part on uh, fuck, the song, uh, maybe Peace Porridge on uh, De La Soul yeah. is Dead, mm -hmm. where they, they bring that up. They're like, yeah, they lying them. They was fighting. It was the violators. And, you know what I mean? They was throwing chairs and they ain't care who they was hitting. It's like a whole skit in the yep. middle of the song yeah. yep. about daylight beating the shit out of somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. So Prince Paul said he was like, and I never believed it. So I would like get them on the phone and they would be like, oh, yeah, we kicked the shit out of that guy. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. the thing. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Well, no, I was going to say, yeah, it's like it was one of those things where, like in hip hop, especially then in the 80s, if you weren't, if you didn't have that, you know, machismo, braggadocious style, people thought you were a sucker. Like, I still remember when uh, LL Cool J came out with I Need Love, and he was, it was like this love song for the ladies. <laughs> and all the girls liked it, but all the guys were like, what's he do? The suckers talk about love. You know, it's like one of those things where you had to be this certain type of rapper in order to gain respect. And the fact that, like, De La Soul didn't play into that just, you know, earns my, my respect. Has, I have respect for them even more just for that. Yeah, and and it was interesting getting into them the way that I did uh, with De La Soul is dead because De La Soul is dead is essentially burning their image to the ground. It was like they didn't like the way they were marketed. They didn't like being the hippies of hip hop. Uh, they didn't like having to do all the photo shoots with flowers. So they're very neck and and three feet high and rising is it's a it's a master it's it's considered a classic it's their only album that goes platinum so it's their best seller and what they do with their follow up is just burn it all down and and they're saying right in the title like we're we're dead like that De La Soul that you knew is dead yeah so man, I mean I just from the from the Listen, I love Three Feet High and Rising, but De La Soul is dead, dude. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm already kind of a little bit more on the like darker side. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And you know, there's certain moments in in my life that I remember, um, 
vividly. And just seeing that cover and the title, De La Soul is dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, that's that shit was punk rock as fuck to 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 completely burn down their image. And then you had songs like I never heard anything like Millie Pool of Pistol on Santa, man. Mm. I never I got chills in my fucking stomach when I heard that song, bro. <laughs> Yeah. You can't even, I don't even know how you get chills in your stomach. That's how, that's how you know I'm high. That's how you know I'm high. I'm like, hey, man, I got, I got chills in my toes, man. But no, seriously, like that record is like, you know, they have, a, they have so many awesome records. But to me, De La Soul is dead. That's the one forever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I always say to people, uh, De La Soul is dead was my favorite as a kid. And nothing has really uh, pushed it out of that slot for me. That's like my go-to one, you know what I mean? Um, Balloon Mind State, I've has I've grown with it, you know, as a man, like listening to like some of the stuff that they're um, addressing and and some of the uh, feelings that they're conjuring on that record, and then the the uh, AOI records too, you know what I mean? Like uh, those are more like my adulthood you know, De La records, but yeah, overall De La Soul is dead is the one for me, just the way that it's constructed. And, you know, I go back to the, the production thing too. some of the stuff that they're doing on those first two records. um, It's from a technical level, you know what I mean? Taking different bits of samples, uh, Prince Paul and De La, they were taking a, a guitar riff from this record and a bass line from another record oh, both of these samples are in a different key. Okay, let's put it in. uh, Fuck, I can't think of the... uh, It's like a guitar uh, effect uh, rack. Wah-wah pedal? It's not a wah-wah. It's like a... uh, (laughs) I'm just throwing shit out, bro. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, yo, is is it a (laughs) wah-wah? I was going to say that. (laughs) Nah, it's it's like... um, It's it's called like a a Verispeed, like Harmonizer or some shit like that. And they would repitch the sample so that it's in the same key as the sample from the other record. Like highly intentional shit that they were doing just on a musical level. And then they're adding what they're doing lyrically and thematically on top of it. It's like, you know, I I adore Tribe 2 and they're like 1 and 1A. Uh, but but Daylight, there's a lot of shit about Daylight that uh, slightly edges out tribe. But it also depends on the day, you know, that you ask me. Yo, it's crazy you say that, man, because I just had this conversation maybe like last summer with with some of my, my, my homies about the fact that it was almost like a given that tribe was the. And I think time has kind of changed that that perception a little bit, man. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. tribe did was incredible, but like. I think Daylight, they had a longer run, if I'm not mistaken, as far as albums. And yeah. just like, I don't know, man, like the 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 art the, the artistry was a little bit more. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Tribe, but I just think that like it was almost a given that like Tribe was one, Daylight was two, and they kind of like they were the faces of the native tongues, but Tribe was the head of it. Q-Tip was the one. But like over time, I think that that, that perception has changed a lot. And that speaks to even what you were just saying about how you listen to records certain eras of your life with them. You grew with them. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, I always thought that, like, maybe it's because, like, Tribe is a little bit more, I mean, I don't want to say palatable, but I guess they had more, I guess, radio hits, like you heard them on the radio a lot. Like hits. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, electric relaxation and the check, the check the rhyme. Like, you 
hear that on the radio. Whereas they lot, like they had like a ton of amazing music, but you didn't really hear it on the radio as much. Like, I mean, I mean, uh, the first one, you know, me, myself and I, that, that was like probably their biggest radio hit. Yes. Yeah. And like everything That's else nice just kind of, it's still a fantastic song. I love the video for that thing. Like, like the concept, I remember seeing the concept of it where it's just like, you know, these, the three of them, but they're in, you know, professor death beats class. Then like it's them in a classroom with all these other iconic people. video. Yeah. It's an iconic video. It's really, I a even, record in my man forehead. Yeah, <laughs> right there. I mean, I even like the way it starts with uh, Prince Paul saying, you know, mm-hmm. you have three glasses mm-hmm. of water with food coloring in them. You still have, you know, you still have, you have uh, three glasses of water, but they're, three different colored glasses but they're still the same old water like i don't i still think about that to this day it's like wow that's, if you think about it like, oh, that's a pretty profound statement but uh yeah um john you were saying that you that you grew with balloon mind state so did like balloon mind state was an incredible departure from the previous two albums it seems like every album they were just so intent on leaving the previous album behind them and and just seeing seeing what they could do that was brand new and balloon mind state was a huge departure and it had i mean there's songs on there that they don't even rap on like there's there's maceo parker just plays a sax solo for four minutes yeah and um they, I, f- I forget the name of the band, but they got they got a Japanese rap group that I, I I have. It's all in Japanese. I have no idea what the fuck that dude is saying, <laughs> but that song gets me so hyped. Like he just raps so fast and he just sounds like whatever he's saying. He's so into it. Um, But that was like it seemed like every album just kept breaking all the rules. And then like De La Soul is dead, you know, enough people paid attention and and people started putting skits on their albums. And then it was like, they, you know, it was like, they sort of created the mold. And then on the very next album, they were like, all right, now we're breaking it. And we're going to, we're going to try and do something new. But that Balloon Mind State is an album that I feel like most fans say they just didn't get at first. But then over the years, as they got older, uh, that's become like a cult favorite. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, emotional depth and uh, richness in that record. Right. So this was around the time from what you know they've said uh in interviews this was around the time when their relationship with prince paul uh was wasn't like a beef or anything but they were kind of growing apart and and uh pies in particular is growing as a musician and as a producer so they're looking like okay we're gonna start you know like making making some stuff on our own without prince paul which is significant he's the one that put them on, you know what I mean? Stetsasonic was fucking huge in the eighties. Prince Paul takes these three, you know, kids and get, puts them in the studio. So he's their mentor around balloon mind state. They're, uh, from what I understand, they're outgrowing Paul and, and figuring out how to do this, uh, in their, in their own way. But then also you listen to a song like I am, I be where, 
you know, this was a, a big fucking deal. I was 13 when this record came out. This is a big deal. They they let us in on the fact that the native tongues relationship is also fracturing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's a record that grows with you, I think, because it was being made in a in a uh, an, an era when uh, the group was growing. They were growing as men. You know what I'm saying? Getting out from under their crew, getting out from under their mentor. That energy is all in that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're they're from a musical standpoint, you know, like you said, like, you know, Maceo Parker's on this record. They recruited James Brown's musicians to play on this record. You know what I mean? They're mixing samples and the live instrumentation in a way that nobody had really done well before that. You know what I'm saying? You listen to a lot of uh, music that was coming out around that same time, early 90s, that's like live hip hop. That shit sounds like Arsenio Hall's like live band. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't it doesn't have like uh, the, the texture and like the oomph that rap music needs. Right. De La Soul did that on this record. You know what I'm saying? Balloon Mind State. So it's yeah, it's 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 something that uh, it's a it's a record that I remember vividly when it came out. A lot of people were like, not even like hating the shit. A lot of people were just like, whatever. They didn't know what you know what I mean? It. it it wasn't you know uh, it wasn't something that like stormed the world when it came out. But it's a slow burner and it's a, a grower. And I think that it's uh, it's something that has that effect emotionally when you listen to it because of where they were and how they were growing when they made it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that's very that's very well put. I'll tell you, I for me, I actually I love that album from the first time I heard it. Um, mm. I think for two reasons. Like I I wasn't Dela's the first. Uh, rap act that made me like want to go find other rap music. Like when I was growing up, I had like the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, and I, and I love those albums, but they never made me. I was a, I was just a rock kid. They never made me want to explore more. De La Soul was the first group where I was like, oh, I I need I need I need more of this in my life, mm. and um. So I didn't have, I think when that album came out, I didn't have all of these like, well, hip hop's supposed to be this and not that. So I didn't have any of those expectations. But also I, I took acid the first time I heard it, <laughs> which really, I listened to it in headphones, oh, yeah, really loud on acid. Yo, that's awesome. Yeah. And and I don't know if it was like that experience. Just I, anytime I go back and listen to it, it's just like I get I get warm fuzzies. And um, to me, they're an album band. Like I'm not like oh, I, I want to hear yeah. a De La song. Like I'm like I gotta hear. This is the album I'm in the mood for. And you start it at the beginning and don't stop it till the end. Ah uh, yeah, man. I just remember like back when you would stay up and um, tape college radio shows and shit like that and they they played break of dawn man i was like yo this is so fucking ill so you know i definitely um was one of those people that kind of like you know and at that time you know as john alluded to hip-hop is changing so much what was balloon my state was that 93 94 
Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was 93, bro. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm Wu Tang out, and you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I still, um, I still just appreciated that that was something that was, um, a part of the, the landscape and the culture, you know what I mean? And I feel like that inspired so much at that time. That record, and, um, I'm gonna keep deferring to John because, you know, I mean, my brother's an encyclopedia with this shit. But if I'm not mistaken, right, Balloon My State comes out, don't we start getting all them like jazz rec, like jazz and mataz and all that type of stuff? Like that shit influenced a sound of like that mm. spacey, you know what I'm saying? Like it just felt like. Like Neo Soul stuff? I feel like the Neo Soul thing was, was like was later. later. I'm just talking about like the like more jazzy, experimental hip hop, if, if you will. You know what I'm saying? And you. Like Jazzmatazz, Us Three, Us Three, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ninety three was really yeah. Ninety three, ninety two, ninety three, uh, and then even into ninety four was really the years that you had that shit. Like Organics, uh, the Roots was the same year as Balloon Mind State. So yeah, Shorty Nomas is on Organics, and she's on uh, Balloon Mind State. Right, so yeah, that's right. that's right around that time when a lot of that st- stuff started coming out. Right. So it was like for me, um, and I think a lot of people felt, you know, can can relate to this. Like, you know, I was caught up in a lot um, of the, the the harder shit. You know, the gangster rap shit was coming out, scooping all that, and I think like that. Maybe me and my friends are like in the minority, but I feel like that. Um, pushed us away from um, that sound and that vibe. I wasn't um, not listening to it. I was still listening to it, but that harder sound and the, the, the commercial rap or whatever you want to call it, that leads to the energy that you hear about the state of the rap game on stakes is high. You know what I'm saying? It's like all of that happening at that same time in that vacuum led them to kind of being feeling like, yo, what the fuck is going on right now? And then you get that energy on stakes is high. So it's like mm. their records are always kind of a capsule for me about what was, what was going on. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah stakes is high. So for me, that's um, De La Soul is dead it is like, that has, probably the most special place in my heart but i think over the years my favorite i just keep coming back to stakes is high like balloon mind state didn't sell well i think it was just too ahead of its time and uh they knew they knew that the stakes were literally high and that they had maybe one more chance Darren keeps flashing the CD. Um, yeah. They they knew they had one more chance, you know. Like this, we gotta. This album has to sell. We gotta. Like this, this is this could be it for us. Yeah. And then and then to come out with an album that still flies in the face of whatever was popular at the time. And not only is it not chasing popular trends, but it's attacking all the popular trends. It was just so ballsy. I didn't. I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that I, I loved the album, but it wasn't you know until I got older, started reading about it. Um, it was just such a ballsy. It was just such a ballsy fuck you to the record label yeah. and and the industry in general. 
Yeah, I mean, like the first time I heard that single, the sticks is. I mean, for one, for first of all, the beat is just just goes hard as hell. Yeah. I believe mean, that's a, a Jay Dilla beat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like you said too, like they're just really just coming brazen. I mean, what True Guy was saying, I'm sick of name brand clothes, sick of rap show, sick of swallhead rappers with their sickening raps and sick of slang. Like, like just pretty much attacking. Everything yeah, that's sick that's, that's sick it in scheme was so ill. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the illest verses ever, straight up. Yeah. yeah, just just like attacking everything that's popular that was popular at the time and still popular now, I guess. Uh, you know, in hip hop, I was, I was like, that's the ballsiest thing I've ever seen anybody do in hip hop. Like, like wow, it really, it, it, this, that, that's I really love that song. I think it's like definitely one of their best. And, yeah, whew, that's that shit. Um, you know. The stakes as high is, is interesting to me for a few reasons, uh, but that record in a lot of ways really inspired what would come like, like, you know, right after, you know, the shit that was coming out on like raucous, what we call underground rap, backpack rap, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that whole anti-industry stance, De La Soul kind of set it off with that shit. You know what I mean? I remember going to like little spots at shows and the DJs would play that shit and that <laughs> that shit sounded like, <laughs> like a fucking, you know what I mean? Like 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 uh I don't know what the the the, the Bible shit is, like like blowing the horn, Gabriel blowing the horn, you know what I mean? And it you know Gabriel. It was so big and like fucking regal, you know what I mean? But what they were talking about, you know, to to come in, uh, sick of bitches shaking asses, sick of talking about blunts and the Versace glasses. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people were frustrated, and I got my issues with like the the real hip hop shit and like the backpack shit and all of that because I think that it's sometimes overly dogmatic and it pushes you know other people out, you know, of of uh, the conversation of, of this culture, which is a broad culture is it's, it's broad and inclusive or at least in its best uh state it should be so i got my issues with that stuff but the stakes is high as a song and in that album and daylight in that era they were so influential there were so many records coming out i could name cats you know what i mean like there's there was so many uh indie rap records coming out in the years following that shit that took that whole formula you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we we gonna rhyme and we gonna you know take aim at the industry and we gonna talk shit about labels. A, a group like Company Flow, you flip the twelve inch, a, a Company Flow twelve inch on the back, and it say independent as fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> De La Soul set that that uh, set that tone for being anti industry and rap. Niggas yeah. wanted deals back in the day. Niggas right, wanted right, to right, right, shine right, right. And, and, and all of that. You know what I mean? That's where like we come from as a culture. Daylight was like, hold up. A lot of this shit is getting corny. Yeah. Let's let's, you know, let's let's take a little a couple little shots at it. And that to me, even though it came out on Tommy Boy and, you know, you go in the record store back then, you could find stakes as high everywhere. It was in no way mm-hmm. an indie record. It set the uh the emotional template for indie rap and, and underground rap to in in my opinion 
No. Yeah, I, no. I, I, I see that 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like you said, man, after that, the floodgates kind of opened with that. They Mad people just bit the, bit the style and the formula. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. that shit ushered in a whole new era of music. Yeah. I, I also love, like, when uh, on the song It's So Easy, when because like at the time when this thing, when this came out, that's when a lot of rappers were doing that whole, you know, Italian mafioso thing. And then yes. True Boy just yes. comes in and says, you know, this Colombia don't care what you do. Why are you acting all spicy and shitey? The only Italian you knew was icy. Yes. A slick line. It's a real slick line. <laughs> it's, love it. That I album. love that video too, because um Is that the lunchroom joint? He's a the lunchroom, yeah. The yeah. lunchroom joint. Like if you if you look at it. You know, they got people from, you know, the the older era. They got the young cats in there. That to me, I was 16 or, or no, I was I was 15. It was the summer. I was 15 when that record came out, when that video came out. That really uh, signaled to me like, oh, they're like elder states, statesmen of our culture. They could tell the young boys to show up and be in the video. They could tell the old heads to show up and be in the video. And everybody's there in celebration of daylight. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a fun, beautiful video. Moni's in it. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 fuck. Okay. Uh, organized the, confusion. That's, organized uh, conf- that's what I was, organized confusion, <laughs> like mushing my man in the lunch room in the beginning. The roots are in it. Seeing, I remember seeing the roots thinking like, oh, that's so cool. You know what I mean? Bobito, yeah. all of them. Bobito, you know? yeah. It's one of those ones where you see it, it, you want you see you see it, and you're like, "Damn, I wish I I could have been there for that." You know what I mean? That looked like such a fun day, you know? Yeah. Did any did either of you uh, see? Um, did you see their interview on Drink Champs? Uh, I only saw parts of it. I I can only do so much. I love Nori. No, I can't do it. I can only do so much of Nori. (laughs) Oh, I've never. It's it's the only episode of that. It's the only episode of that I ever watched. So he only he only be doing research, man. I'm like beloved. You gonna do this shit? Like (laughs) nigga, like you got to get a one sheet. Wait, you know what I mean about the people you interviewing? He said he said in the native tongue. Y'all was in the native tongue. Vlad is like that too man vlad was interviewing uh he was interviewing somebody and they brought up jazzy J, who famously was bambata's he was his man he was his youngin and vlad didn't know jazzy J was zulu nation i turned that shit off man like i was like yo i can't watch this yo like can't, i can't watch this you this uninformed as an interviewer yo he's the worst and he sounds like a psychopath he's always like yeah so you so you try to kill the guy so what, what, did, the you, guy, did, did you want to kill him did you want to no. kill him Come so on. he lit he lived right yeah yeah <laughs> nah nori uh-uh. nori said something in that interview it was just a throwaway thing that made me laugh so fucking hard though so as as they're in and it's a great interview it, it's like an hour and 40 minutes and uh De La, they, they, you know, they, they get in. If you want to know about the, the feud with Tommy Boy and why the music hasn't been available for so long, they spell everything out in it. Wow. But every time one of them mentions somebody from hip hop, Nori gives them a big up, you know, so they'll be like, oh, yeah, like we were in we were in the studio with uh, Questlove and he's like, big up Questlove. You know, and then and then they mentioned like their old manager, like whatever, like oh Irving Rosenbaum. Like, Big up Irving Rosenbaum, I remember him. <laughs> Dante Ross. And, and he does he does like three or four big ups 
And then um, when they were talking about the shitty contract they signed, Maceo was like, you know, like I'm I'm 17 and uh, I want to be a rapper. I'm working at Texaco and they they come to me with this contract and then Nori just goes big up Texaco. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know why it made me like yeah. almost fall off the couch <laughs> laughing. But Shout out Texaco. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. But they um John, you you were talking about like the the production on Balloon Mind State before, and and the way they were mixing samples with live music. What they did for their their last album um, in twenty sixteen, what's and uh, the anonymous nobody, the anonymous nobody. They, um, I just learned this watching an interview right before I came here, like uh, an hour ago. Um, it was all they they had all their musician friends record something like 200 hours of live music over the course of a few years because they there's they they've been fucked so many times over sample clearances they said we don't want to deal with sample clearances so they they had musicians over the course of a few years record hundreds of hours of live music and then they just they're sampling from that like they're just which is i don't know if that's common or not like i'd i'd never i'd never heard of that it is more so now than when they did the equivalent thing in 1993 with uh balloon mind state it's now it's a little different now because uh you have young musicians who grew up playing hip hop Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, 30 years ago, you get a jazz musician in to play, uh, you know, on a rap record and the shit sounds like like it'll you know what I mean? It'll it don't have it don't have the same like energy or flavor. But you get like one of these young kids from like Berkeley College of Music who grew up playing alongside like practicing alongside Dilla beats they have the feel for it Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I don't know exactly who they got to play on anonymous nobody uh but it's I did watch uh whatever that thing was uh where they showed it might have been the kickstarter that they did where they showed Mm -hmm. footage from you know the studio sessions it's a little easier to do that now and it's a little more common I literally before I sat down for this zoom I was at uh, Community College of Philadelphia doing something very similar. Like we had a room full of kids just playing music. We recorded the entire thing, mic'd up everything, and I'm making a beat tape out of that. So that's more of a common thing now than, you know, back right. in like the early 90s and shit. It was, it was just different. Yeah, I yeah th- man. It's, it's, I feel like right now, and um, you actually mentioned this, um, on uh, John has a podcast called Serious Rap Shit with my brother Josh and I listened to the latest episode the other day and you were saying like right now it feels like there's more there, there seemed to be a, a little bit of a gap where there wasn't a lot of kids playing jazz and instruments and it feels like that's kind of back like in, with, with, with a vengeance like you have so many kids playing this like incredible jazz and rock and you know what I mean? It's like right now the culture is so expanding and we're using it um, to make incredible music that's genreless. You know what I mean? Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know some young jazz musicians that are like motherfuckers on their instruments. You know what I mean? It's it's jazz don't go nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It don't, you know, it's 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 been like a living continuum. But yeah, Reef, like you said, like a lot of this shit is like it feels like it's like back with a vengeance, it's like a different energy behind it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. What did uh what did you guys think of the last album? What may turn out so there's they 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 were saying in several of these interviews a few years ago that they were working on an album with Pete Rock and um that they were gonna finish the um uh what was that the AI series AOI yeah. AI AOI, yeah. Um, yeah. I heard like uh, Prince Paul was supposed to be producing that last album. Too, oh, was right? it? Maybe, maybe I. I don't know why I thought P Rock. Maybe it was Prince Paul, but I don't. I don't know if any of it ever actually got done. So this could be like the anonymous nobody could be the swan song. Yeah, um, I can't. I can't see them unless it was already like. They don't seem like the type that's going to do the pop. How do you say posthumous? Whatever release. Yeah, posthumous. Yeah. Take, mm-hmm. taking like old vocals of his but i mean i imagine like you know i would hope that there is music that um they created that will see the light of day um obviously you know they're probably going to take a, a long time to um you know to heal and deal with this because it's one of those things man where it's like you can't you can't have it's 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 plug one and plug two you know what yeah. i mean like without mm-hmm. plug two you can't there's nothing what, what can you do you know what i mean like you can't put out more daylight soul music you know what i mean so i man sucks dude yeah. yeah i mean i think they might i mean i guess depending on how much they had done or you know already before he passed away they might do like what tribe did when five passed right you know, and they came out with the um we got it from here thank you for your service which by the way is an amazing album it, should have been nominated for a Grammy, but that's that's awesome record. Awesome record. Fantastic yeah. record. Fantastic. Shit blew me away. I thought both really? those records. I thought I thought the Anonymous Nobody and the Last Tribe were way better than uh they had a right to be at, at this yeah. point. Um Anonymous Nobody, uh it there's I can't think of the, the track, but there's a point where uh all of the music just about drops out and this big fucking uh like a string section comes in and i'm listening to this shit like what the fuck like <laughs> oh. y'all it's it, y'all uh really musically like shot for the moon on this record yeah you know what i mean which i, I always appreciate that with somebody just just let it fly like try try something well yeah. they, they like i mean what well, I was just saying, like, when I first heard the album, I, w- I was expecting something like their last album, like, you know, The Grind Day, which is actually a pretty strong album, too. But then, yeah, like, when I bought it and I listened to it, I was like, oh, wow, this is nothing like The Grind Day. This is nothing like anything they'd done before. It, it took me a while to sort of really get into Anonymous Nobody and really kind of accept what they were giving me and trying to, like, really wrap my mind around it, my mind around it. But I think... Like after a while, it's like, oh wait, no, this is actually really good. Yeah, they don't have really uh, any records. Maybe AOI one and two, but even those, you know, there's a, a gulf uh, stylistically between them. They don't really have any records that are same soundy records. You know what no. I mean? Like some groups where you're like, oh, you know, I don't know. Just as an example, like you know, 
Rolling Stones, you know, early to mid seventies, they're kind of in their Rolling Stones yep. groove. You know what I mean? And the records, some of them are are similar sounding. Daylight, it it really seemed like they burnt the fucking formula every time yes. they went yeah. to the studio and made something new. There's so much variety between all of those records. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the theme. Like every record we've discussed, it's like, and then it completely went the different direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I love it. took me, Darren, like you said, it took me a while to get into uh, the anonymous nobody, but now uh, I've been playing it constantly. Uh, for mm-hmm. the last week or so, and um, it's fucking great. It just keeps growing on, and every time you hear, it's just so dense musically. Yeah. Um, that every time you hear it, I'm I'm discovering something new, and it's weird. It's like this is what it. It's like oh, this is what uh, like middle aged, fully mature adult uh, hip hop sounds like. And yeah, still, yeah, sorry, John. And I was just gonna say, and grown up, but still curious musically, yeah, and still willing to like try some shit and like take us on an adventure. Well, if, if you watch, if you watch that making of uh, about the Kickstarter campaign, and, and you see them talking about some of the instruments that they were playing on it, there was like people in there playing like a jug. You know, like the old jug bands, yeah. people playing like oboes and fiddles and uh, it, it was wild. It was like they they raised all this money and then they just took that cash and just threw it into into, you know, throwing everything and the kitchen sink into the album. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the track list in uh for anonymous nobody and the credits and yeah this this is an orchestral work because like viola violin trumpet keyboards mm. you know what i mean bass cello this is yeah this is this is an yeah. orchestral piece that they put together shit's crazy yeah there's um i also found i stumbled on just going through youtube i found um I'll send it to you guys. It was wild, but I found somebody got a full like 30 piece orchestra or something to play stakes as high. Mm. And the whole album? No, no, no. Just the song. They they just do they just oh, do whoa, whoa, a, whoa, like whoa, whoa, an orchestral whoa. version of Stakes as High with uh just the song. But it was it was wild. Yeah. I think I've seen a few rappers. I know Nas did that with uh well, well, it wasn't even, it, it was like a tribute. Like they're not on it. Oh. it there's nobody rapping over the oh. orchestra. And it's just an orchestra playing tribute to De La Soul, which I think um, speaks to the influence this band has uh, musically across the world. Yeah, fan, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I think like, yeah, when I think about it, it's yeah. Like De La is like one of those groups that's never, I guess was never mainstream or was never probably going to be for the masses. Like they've never won a Grammy for the like with the gorillas, uh, gorillas. Yeah. yeah but, for, for feel good ink. Yeah. But like none of their albums, I think ever got nominated for Grammy. So that they were always one of those bands that like the masses never really, you know, with the exception of, you know, the first album, like they were never like a mainstream thing, but their influence was just, everywhere they influence so many people like is 
like, I think it's, it's one of those, like, I've always heard that quote that, like, the Velvet Underground never made it big, but they influenced, like, so many right. other bands and so many other people. Yeah. I think they allows like that. Everybody that saw them started a band. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's yeah, I, it. Think, I think time's, time's going to be very, very kind to their legacy. I think as, as time goes on, these records are going to age beautifully and they're, they're going to be those, one of those bands of kids that are like, you know, my kids are going to be in their teens wearing daylight t-shirts. Is there going to be that man? Like, if you, like, if you know, you know, type of thing, you know what I mean? And I think, I think, um, they're starting to see it. We were seeing it before he passed and before the music got on streaming. And I think, um, over the next couple of years, their legacy is really going to get a a shot in the arm. Well, well, deservedly. So, yeah. It's it's funny it's funny you say that about your kid because um my daughter is almost 7 and uh her favorite show is Teen Titans Go. Hell yeah. So one day we're watching Teen Titans Go and all of a sudden De La Soul is on there. And <laughs> I was like what the f- what nice. the fuck and I was like hey Lila I was like you know, this is this is a real group. This is daddy's this is one of daddy's favorite groups ever. And sh- and then she was like, really? Like she couldn't believe that that they were real people. So I've been I've been teaching her about the music. I still have some of the CDs in my car. So like I have stakes as high in balloon mind state, but I've been teaching her all along and I've been telling her about how March 3rd, all their music's coming up on streaming. And um like she's excited. Like now she's excited for mm-hmm. like she's been asking me like when when can I hear the rest of it? Um so I think you're right and it's it's great because streaming's been around for uh, close to 20 years, I'm guessing, 15, 20, yeah. you know. And their music has never been available. There's an entire generation of kids who have grown up on streaming that have never had access to any of this music. Um, uh, one of the, I think Dave said it in one of the interviews, like Three Feet High and Rising is in the Library of Congress. Yeah. So they're like, our music you, is in the Library of Congress, but it's not on iTunes. Right. Which, is, which is fucking wild. To, like somebody deemed that this is important enough to be preserved for all time. Uh, but... You can't get it. The record, it's the record industry, man. You know what I mean? That's yeah. all I can say. Yeah. Industry rule number four thousand and eighty. Well, listen. I want to thank. I want to thank my guests. Thank you uh, all so much for uh, taking time out and and coming on and doing this. Um, Friday, March third. If you're listening, go. And, and if you don't know Dela's music, just. Start at three feet high and rising, and and work your way up. That those that first four album run, I think that's as good. I I I would put that up against some rock bands' classic album runs. Like that's yeah. that yeah, is, like without peer. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Or, it, or a very select yeah group it, of people. It, it was as are, good a run as anybody in music's ever had. I think. Yeah. No, absolutely. The first four albums are. Fantastic. I mean, I was lucky enough to see them live too a couple times. And that's another thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, Darren. I didn't mean to cut you. (laughs) No, no, I was going to say, like, I just said, yeah. So I was lucky enough to see them live uh, twice, like once uh, when they performed with Black Star, like in 98. 
Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. another time on the, the, spit, the spit kicker tour, mm-hmm. where it's like, I think common came out and I think like, uh, they did the song Ooh and red man came yep. out and nice. like Tully Quali was there. It was, it was a really good, it was a really good show. Like, and I don't know, I'm just, I really, I feel like really fortunate to have seen them live and just, yeah, yeah those four out. My man says, "My man says, spit kicker, bro. You just, you just took me, man. Now I feel uh-huh. shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw them on the Lyricist Lounge tour, and KRS and uh, De La Soul were co-headliners. And when I say Ooh. they smashed that shit, wow. they smashed yeah. that shit like one of the best. I've been to a lot of shows with like one of the best live acts I've ever seen. Yes. And he was doing it. It was, it was real, uh, like on some like cold crush shit too. You know what I mean? Like they doing like routines, crowd participation was crazy. It's well, mind blowing show. They, they, masters of, masters of the craft, man. Yeah. Well, they talk about in one of the documentaries, they knew that they were fucked on their royalties. So the way they were going to earn their living was touring the world and selling mm-hmm. merch. So they mm-hmm. were like, if this is how we're going to learn our living, we have to be really good live. You know, mm-hmm. like there, there's no phoning. And I, I saw them a ton of times in, in the 90s. Um, and they were they were uh, they were fucking great. They were great live. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm oh. gut. I'm gutted that I'm, <laughs> I'm never gonna see him again. Yeah, yeah. But um, all right, everybody. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Darren, where can people find you? Where if you? Oh uh... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. D a r i n Credible. Uh, like Ken said, I also host a podcast called the snl nerds we basically break down the newest episode of saturday night live and uh i do it with my buddy john trumbull just we just nerd out about saturday night live we'll talk about uh snl related movies and tv shows and uh it's a fun time we, we you know kind of get into the whole history of snl we break down the newest episodes we you know go off on goofy hilarious tangents uh you can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts and you can follow that on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. Oh, and also uh, I run a show in um, Montclair, New Jersey, second Thursday, no, the first Thursday of every month. So uh, come on through the Nonproductive Comedy Show. Uh, find out more info on that on Twitter at Nonpro. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Darren Credible, D A R I N Credible. Instagram too. Did y'all talk about that Michael Jordan, uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, State Farm skit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, no. Nah, the one uh I would I would take us off with a tangent, but the one I love SNL too. Me and my pop used to watch it when I was little. Uh right. but the the Michael B. Jordan one where uh he's in like the uh, it's like the incels are having oh, like yeah. a, a conference thing. Oh. And he's like, somebody say the meanest thing you can say to me. And he's like, all right, forehead. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he completely like shakes my man's confidence. Funny yeah. shit, yo. Look, I don't know why you say that. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> they've, been, they've, been, they've been doing ice this season. They've been, doing they've been bringing the heat. I, I, yeah, I love, I know man. SNL's corny. Yeah. I fucking love SNL. I don't care. They, they, they lost everybody and just been rolling with it. I'm like, damn, okay. You know, right? Yeah, yeah they really like rebuilt themselves done. with the new crew, and like they really found their footing. 
Uh, Reef, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, at Lost Cause on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Reef the Lost Cause on Facebook. Um, Reef Lost Cause Bandcamp. Reef the Lost Cause on, you know, all the streaming. And speaking of streaming, to, to hammer the, the point home March 3rd, please support this wonderful, incredible, once-in-a-lifetime group that we may never hear from again. Make sure you listen to all their music. Even if you've heard it a million times, it's going to be nice for me because, you know, I don't have a, a, a lot of my CDs are in the basement boxes. So it's going to be nice to just pull my yeah. phone out and be able to listen to those brothers anytime I want. I mean, obviously you can find stuff on YouTube and shit, but like, it's not the same. Yeah, so it's not, it never forward. sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. So March 3rd, um, make sure y'all, y'all stream all the, all the daylight you can. John, where can, where can people find you? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm, I'm mostly on Twitter uh, these days, but it's at John, J-O-H-N underscore liberator. Um, that's also my my handle on uh, Instagram, but my Instagram is just me posting records in my collection. Lady, like <laughs> going out awesome. to dinner. <laughs> like, you know living it's, living it's, life, living yeah, life. My Instagram is, is real regular, but Twitter... Um, you know, I rock a lot on Twitter. And, you know, if you want to go to uh, my website, it's johnmorrison215.com. So, you know, and I also, as Reef said, uh, me and my best friend, Josh, we host a show, a weekly podcast called Serious Rap Shit, where we basically, you know, talk like we've talked here. We talk about the culture of hip hop. We talk about, you know, different adventures that we go on. We talk politics, gender, all kind of stuff. All right. And um, you can come see me uh, April 1st. I'm headlining uh, Laugh It Up Poughkeepsie. And um, April 14th, no, April 15th, I'm headlining Atlantic City Comedy Club. Uh, I, I don't I don't know why I was just going to be like in Atlantic City. Like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to make sure, just to make sure y'all know where, you, where to go. Atlantic City, Maryland. <laughs> Come find me. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.